0: Welcome to the Sweetest and Toughest Job Podcast. I'm Rachel Olson, your host, mama to three kids ages five and under, and as you can probably relate, I'm trying to figure this whole parenting thing out. On the show, I'm chatting with subject matter experts and other parents to hear their stories, all in efforts to gather information and perspectives to share with this amazing mama community. We cover all kinds of topics relating to pregnancy, the postpartum period, and parenting in general. Thank you for being here and joining me on this journey as we explore the very sweetest but also toughest job. Hi, friends. Thank you so much for being here another week on the Sweetest and Toughest Job podcast My goal with this podcast is to create a space where we can really share information, where I can have subject matter experts talk on different topics that, you know, I have as a mom am curious about. I always love learning new things in regards to pregnancy, parenting, and the postpartum world, and I really want to create a platform to just share info. The other part of what I love is hearing from other moms hearing other stories about um, journeys to parenthood, how parenthood is, the things that we go through. Because the point is, I think sometimes we can feel so alone as parents in whatever phase we're going through, and we're not. I think there are so many parallels and other parents that can be going through similar things, um, similar tough things, and similar sweet spots, right? So this week, I'm joined by Polly Slaw who is a mom of two. She has a background in healthcare administration and is a former lifestyle blogger. She decided to use her past experiences to build her copywriting business and works with entrepreneurs now in health, wellness, and motherhood industries. She lives in Seattle with her husband and her two boys, and today she's talking about her journey to motherhood she had a high-risk pregnancy with her first and kind of walks us through what that was like, what it was like to have a son that was born and then had to go to the NICU. She also talks about becoming a stay-at-home mom which she decided to do after she became a mom. Uh leaving the working world and how that transition was. She also talks about mom-shaming, which I think a lot of us have experienced and it is not often talked about. And talks about finding her purpose, and her passion. So now she is has created her own business and is still a stay-at-home mom. So I think there's p- parts of my conversation with Polly that I'm sure you could relate to, and I hope you enjoy my chat with her. Here it is. Hi, Polly. Hi. Thank you so much for being a part of the podcast. I am looking forward to our chat tonight.
1: Yeah, thanks for having me.
0: Let's just jump in, and uh, maybe you can tell everybody a little bit about yourself, your background, and your family.
1: Okay, so my name is Polly Slaw, and I live in Seattle with my husband and my two boys. They are four years and eight months, and I started staying home with my oldest son when he was first born, and I've been staying home since, and now I work
0: as a copywriter and stay at home with my boys at the same time. Trying to figure out how to stay home. I I think, I think that's awesome. And it's so nice to be able to stay home. I know that also probably presents another set of challenges trying to work while your kids are home. <laughs> it definitely is really hard just try to trying to juggle everything at the same time. It's a balancing act, right? And especially it the is. little ones who I mean maybe don't always understand like mommy mm-hmm. needs to get some work done. <laughs> yeah. Definitely. Well, I wanted to talk to you um, today just kind of about your journey to motherhood, which is um, what I talk about a lot on the podcast. So when you were pregnant with your first, I know um, there's a story there. So maybe you can just start at the beginning. Was it a normal pregnancy when you found out you were expecting?
1: Um, So at first it was a normal pregnancy. It wasn't until I was maybe around 20 weeks, around halfway was when I discovered that there was something that was wrong, and so I saw just a regular OB at the time, and she noticed during my appointment that you know I had a, a vessel that was just kind of out of place. So that's when she referred me to a high risk OB just to make sure everything was okay. And it turned out that I had a high risk condition called placenta previa, where the fetal umbilical cord blood vessels are too close to the cervix. And that can, you know, result in a stillborn birth or could terminate my pregnancy.
0: And that was, I'm sorry, at 23 weeks?
1: Is that what you're around, saying? I don't remember exactly what week it was, but it was around the midway point, like around 20 weeks
0: or so. Okay. I can't imagine, especially, um, well, any pregnancy, but especially your first pregnancy when it's all new, you know, and yes. you're, you don't know what to expect. That must've been a really difficult and really scary appointment.
1: It was, and I had to go back. Um, I think at that point, I had to go back every week or every two weeks to keep checking to see if the blood vessel would move. Mm-hmm. But then it continued to stay in that same spot. So that's when, I, when I was around thirty-five weeks. No, I'm sorry, thirty-two weeks. That's when I had to be placed in bed rest.
0: So, do they um, did they give you any reason why this happens, or is it just something that happens?
1: It's something that just happens. It's um, not genetics or anything like that. It kind of happens. It only happens to about, I believe two or 3% of women. And of course it happened to me. <laughs>
0: mm-hmm,
1: mm-hmm. Yeah. So it's a very rare condition that not many
0: pregnant women experience. And, um, I mean, I feel like just sharing this is not to scare anybody that's listening, that's pregnant, mm-hmm. but, um, but so many of us have been through, through pregnancies. Now there's, there are so many different challenges that we face and, um, thankfully that we have great care in the U S and yes. um, you know, good hospitals and doctors. And it sounds like you had that. Um, so were you working at this point? Because going to appointments every week has had to have been really difficult.
1: I was working. So I had to use my sticker vacation time for all these appointments.
0: So That's not so only hard. did I have
1: to see my regular OB, I saw the um, high risk OB as well. So I had like almost double the amount of appointments to go to. Oh my
0: so gosh. it was a lot. Yeah. And then at 32 weeks, um, when you were put on bed rest, was it really strict bed rest? As in like, you, you're you not getting up except going to the bathroom kind of thing?
1: I was able to get up and move around, but their nurses were very careful and cautious with me. I felt completely normal. I would have never known there was something wrong with me if it wasn't for medical technology. So I was, I mean, This is probably the wrong word, but I was kind of bored when I was on Mm -hmm. bed rest because I felt like there was nothing going on. But but nurses would tell me, oh, be careful. Don't bend over. Don't, you know, do any subtle movements just in case your blood is connected to the placenta and to the baby, you know, it could terminate my pregnancy. So I had to be extra careful about how I moved and how I was just getting around.
0: So you were in you were in the hospital at this point. You were yes. not bedrest at home. In, yeah. Mm-hmm. Okay. Um, and that so that has to be incredibly hard. So there you're at 32 weeks, and you're hoping to go all the way, I assume, um, to 40 weeks. But what was kind of their, what was kind of the advice or what they were thinking at that point?
1: Um, the plan was so I had a plan C section at 36 weeks because my doctor did not want me to go into labor because that could um, cause my blood vessel to rupture if I had heavy contractions. But then I started bleeding at 35 weeks. So that's when my doctor said, okay, let's just do the C-section tonight. Let's not wait just in case you start having heavy contractions. Because I was having contractions. They were very mild, I didn't feel them. Mm-hmm. So I didn't know I was having contractions, but according to the monitor I was. So we decided to have C-section that night and that's when my son was born. And um, they saw the blood vessel, and thankfully, you know, they're able to work around it and everything great. And my son is now four, and he's really healthy; never had any serious health conditions or anything.
0: That's awesome! So, it's so wonderful. Yeah, so he's pretty much
1: a miracle baby. <laughs>
0: yeah, definitely. Yeah. So, um, an emergency C-section, I know, is probably very traumatic because. You're not expecting it. It's not planned. Um, it's all of a sudden happens. Were you able to? Um, were you able to hold him when he was born? I know he he had to be taken to the NICU. Is that right?
1: I I did. Uh, I was able to hold him. Um, so my memories are very vague just because it was a C-section and I was medicated. Mm-hmm. So it was a blur. Um, but I think he was taken to the NICU and got all these testings done um, the first night. And then the first, I think the next morning and the next couple of days, he was in the room with me, but since he had trouble with his feedings, that's when he had to go to the NICU and he was in the
0: NICU for a few weeks
1: because Mm -hmm. he was unable to breastfeed and he had trouble drinking from
0: a bottle. I had um, not a similar experience in the sense I did not have an emergency C-section, but my son was born at 34 weeks. So okay. um but he was a little bit I think you said your son was how much did he weigh when he was born?
1: He was four pounds seven ounces.
0: Okay. So my son was five pounds nine ounces. Oh, so okay. um he was actually pretty big. I know I kind of thinking, pretty big for 34 I think weeks. They got, I think they got 34 weeks wrong, but <laughs> <laughs> but they told me he would be there two and a half weeks and he was there two and a half weeks because he needed to learn to eat. And I know that is such a slow and painful process when you just want to take your baby home with you.
1: Yeah, it was because, um, so my husband only had two weeks off from work. So Mm -hmm. I was at home by myself and I couldn't drive since I had the C-section. So Mm -hmm. I had to take the bus to the hospital and I would carry this big bag with all my pumping supplies and, you know, extra clothes and everything to meet the hospital every day. And it was just a challenge, you know, because I've never experienced anything like this before, but, you know, once you have a baby, it's the things you have to do when you know, when you have no choice.
0: Absolutely. So, yeah. Absolutely. I, I can relate to all that. But I I don't know if you um probably experienced a similar thing. It was it was very odd having a baby though when they go to the NICU because they're not roomed in with you. So you yeah. just gave birth but you don't mm-hmm. have your baby with you. And then getting discharged is not so fun either because you're leaving but you're living without a baby.
1: It was yeah, it was really weird just leaving by myself and at home, we had the nursery ready to go, Mm -hmm. but he wasn't there with us. So yeah,
0: it was pretty difficult. Did he, um, so did he have any other issues except for the feeding or is that mainly what he needed to be in the NICU for?
1: Um, It was mostly the feeding and just the weight issues just because, you know, he was born early and he was pretty tiny. Um, I think by the time he was discharged, he was just a little over five pounds, but Mm -hmm. it took a few weeks to get mm-hmm. to that point, point. Mm-hmm. and I think he had maybe I think he had some temperature body temperature issues as well. he was in an incubator for maybe one or two two days or so, mm-hmm. but then that problem was resolved pretty quickly, so it was mostly the feeding
0: issues. It's amazing how what little fighters those babies are when they come out. I mean they are resilient and they're they're amazing, yes, yeah, so tell me um when you were finally able to bring him home with you what was that like? What was bringing him home like?
1: Well, I didn't find up until I think the day of that he was going to come home because each day we would get like a different report and each day I would be, I would, you know, hope that he would come home and Mm -hmm. I was just used to being disappointed, I guess. And then the day he finally was able to come home, I think the nurse or doctor called me and that's when I texted my husband. I was like, oh, able get to come home today and you know we were just both so excited and my parents were so excited too they had to come visit that night also because <laughs> you know they they were visiting him in the NICU as well so and since you know he was my first, it was really exciting to have him home finally and have of his course. grandparents come over so yeah, it was pretty exciting and pretty surreal pretty weird at the same time just being able to bring him home mm-hmm.
0: instead of seeing him
1: at the hospital just hooked up to everything. But it was a really great experience though, to be able to bring him home to us.
0: And and I can also relate to that too. And when you are in the NICU and the nurses are, I mean, they're the most exceptional people that are um, helping these babies day in and day out. But yeah. you do have like so much help when you're there that it's, yes. I remember feeling, even though it was my second that was in the NICU, so it wasn't quite as, um, you know, like Wide eyed, I guess, because I had already just had it. You know, I'd had one baby before, but I mm-hmm. imagine for you, especially being your first, it's like you have all of these medical staff around you all the time, and then all of a sudden you're home and you're like, Oh, now it's just me and the baby, and my yes. husband.
1: <laughs> yeah, now that I think about it, I do remember that now because yeah, my husband was already back at work. So, right when we brought Gabriel back home, it was just me and you know, our baby, and that was it. And I was like, Oh what do I do? Or how am I, yeah. how do I do this? You know? Cause it's not like there's a book or a guide that you can read and you know, that can teach you everything.
0: Absolutely. Yeah. Somebody needs to create that. I don't think <laughs> it's ever going to exist. Yeah. Um. And then you said that you uh, decided to stay at home after he was born. So had you made that choice at that decision at, at that point when you brought him home or when did that come into play?
1: Well, we decided that my husband and I decided that before, we, um, you know, discovered that I had a high risk pregnancy. It's just that okay. the cost, yeah. So just the cost of childcare and me commuting to work, and it just wasn't worth it. Because then I wouldn't bring much back home after paying for childcare, and it was just a bit too much. So I thought it would be, we thought it would be better for me to stay at home and raise our child ourselves.
0: Mm-hmm. What was the transition like for you from going from a working person to a stay at home mom?
1: It was really hard just because I was so used to being around other adults and being able to do things like have lunch and, Mm -hmm. you know, being able to use the restroom without asking. Well, I don't ask my baby, but you know, when your baby's crying or hungry or whatever, you you have to stop what you're doing. So that was a big transition. And um, I guess as an adult and as, as I became part of the corporate world, I didn't really make much effort to meet new people. And, but after I became a stay-at-home mom, it just became very lonely, very isolating. And that's when I started looking into joining all these mommy groups, all these baby groups. And it really helped me come out of my shell more because I just needed a, a support system because just staying at home with my baby all
0: day just wasn't working for me. Hmm. And how did, you, how did you find things like that? I mean, was it as simple as just Googling or where, where did you find um, those kinds of groups?
1: On the local Facebook groups, so there's a lot of mommy meetup groups and um, you know, we would just go meet at the park, go and walk, just stuff like that. And yeah, just nice just to be around other moms and you know, just be around other people that can relate and know what it's like to be a stay-at-home mom or just a mom in general, because some of the working moms that had you know, odd schedules or odd working schedules, but it was nice to have a support system and be around other people besides, you know, just me and my baby at
0: home. And I think that's such a an honest and and real point that you make um that when you do become a mom, I think there's so much pressure sometimes that we should just want to be with our baby all the time, and yeah, you know you've you've waited for it, and it's such a blessing to have be able to have a a child and um and to be a stay at home mom is is a decision as well and it's um it's a privilege for sure, but I yeah. think it's okay to feel like. I don't really want to be here all day long with my baby. I need some kind of extra um, socialization, some people around, other things to do. I think that's a very real feeling that a lot of people have.
1: Yeah, it definitely is. Exactly. And I just um, didn't know what it was like until I experienced it on my own. You know?
0: Right. I know. I think it is one of those things that you don't really, you don't really know until you're in that position, right? Yes. hmm um, you've explained to me too, that a part of that in, in a part of like you deciding to stay at home and being staying at home mom, that you experienced some mom shaming. Could you talk a little bit about that?
1: Um, I just felt like some, well, I felt like some people that already have kids kind of, I guess I don't know how to word this. Sorry. Um, let's see if they're, they're more Experienced moms, they felt like they knew how to tell me what to do with my child, or they felt judgmental because since I was a stay-at-home mom, my husband shouldn't have to help out, especially Mm -hmm. at nighttime. And um, so my son was colicky, and I had to exclusively pump since he couldn't latch on. So he, so my husband would help feed him while I would pump throughout the night, Mm -hmm. and just like every little thing, I felt like I was being judged just because. You know, I was a stay-at-home mom, and my husband was one who was bringing the paycheck, so I shouldn't have to have him help me. And that was really hard when, you know, because I felt like people just didn't know what it was like. I felt like I had the pressure to never have breaks and just do everything for my son, and do nothing for myself, and not take care of myself, and kind of just let not let my husband help. But he was he wanted to help, and I don't mm-hmm. see anything wrong with that. So I felt like I was really judged just for having him help with things, especially during the nighttime feedings. Mm-hmm.
0: Exclusively pumping is unbelievable. Hats off to you. <laughs> it was very that's like hard a full-time <laughs> job. I mean, breastfeeding is a full-time job. Feeding yeah. your baby with a bottle is a full-time job. Mm-hmm. No matter how you do it, it's a full-time job. But mm-hmm. when you pump exclusively, you have to pump and then feed like you're describing. Yes. So. It's how i I almost imagine that's how it would be breastfeeding twins, like you never oh yeah, <laughs> you never have an off moment, you know mm-hmm. um, and I think that's I appreciate you just sharing that too, because I um talk about it on the podcast and on my social media a lot that I really think we all need to stop judging each other, and that's a big part of our society and things that we do face as moms is that um you know, there's just too many opinions and everybody has their own way of doing things. And, um, it's why there's no parenting guide, unfortunately, because there's no right or wrong way and there's no better or worse way, or, you know, every kid is different and every family is different. And so you kind of have to figure out what works for your individual unit and not pass judgment on the people that do it differently. Yeah, exactly. I know everyone's different and everyone's situation is different for sure. Yeah. Absolutely. Well, um, tell me how you what you're doing, I guess, now as a working at home mom and kind of how you found that and found that purpose in your life.
1: So I have a corporate background in healthcare administration and um I used to be a lifestyle blogger as well. So when I was a lifestyle blogger, I would write about health, wellness, beauty. When I became a mother, I wrote about motherhood as well. So I decided to combine my experiences and start a, a freelance copywriting business. So I work with entrepreneurs that are in the health, wellness and motherhood industries. And I've always liked writing. So that's something that I've always been passionate about. I kind of wanted to do something that was separate from my kids and separate from my family. Cause I was just used to doing everything for my kids all the time, mm-hmm. you know? So I, writing is my passion and, and I enjoy doing it and I enjoy helping people. So that's what I've been doing. And it's a lot of work, just, just working at home with two kids. I stay up late every single night. I don't sleep very much. Mm-hmm. Um, but I love it at the same time. It's crazy as it sounds. So, so even though I, I don't get much sleep, I love what I do.
0: <laughs> well, and I think that probably for you personally, that probably like makes you a better mom too, right? Because yes. you're mm-hmm. ful- filling that bucket and you're filling that part that that makes you feel good and energized. And then therefore you can probably be more present and energized for your kid because a kids because you have that for yourself as well. Yes, exactly. That's awesome. Well, tell everybody how they can find you and connect well, with you. I am on Facebook and Instagram and my
1: username is at the right collaboration. And that's right as a W R
0: I T E. I love that. name. Um, Play on words. You're a writer. Yes. Yes. (laughs) I'm
1: still working on my website. It's just another big
0: project to work on on top of all the other things I have to work on, but I'm on social media. (laughs) I love it. So if you had a piece of advice for somebody becoming a new mom or even somebody that's not a new mom, that's a second time mom or a third time mom, that's Mm -hmm. kind of feeling some of the things that you described, like maybe a little bit isolated or like, feeling bad or guilty that maybe they need something more than just being at home every day, what would be your advice for that mom?
1: It's definitely helpful to reach out and join groups, whether there's mommy groups or, you know, kids groups or just doing something for yourself, particularly healthy and you shouldn't feel guilty because like I said, sometimes I just need something separate from my kids just to be, become a better mom. And I know mom guilt is real. I know sometimes I do feel bad when I'm busy with other things, but I kind of need to have some separation every once in a while. It's perfectly and it's healthy.
0: Mm-hmm. I yeah. love that. Well, yeah. thank you so much for just sharing your story and um, just openly sharing your experience and transition to motherhood that I think a ton of people can relate to. <laughs> yeah. <laughs>
1: I hope, yeah, I hope this will help other moms out there or, you know, other people that plan on becoming moms because it's a really rough journey and it's, but it's a
0: rewarding journey at the same time. Definitely. But I yeah. think it's, it's so valid and and okay. The point being to say that it's hard. <laughs> it is hard. Yes. <laughs> because it is. And it is. Um, there are like so many wonderful moments and Um, the ride is, is awesome and unforgettable and just like nothing else, but it doesn't mean that it's hard to get through it, you know?
1: Oh, exactly. I completely agree.
0: Well, thank you so much, Polly. It was so nice talking to you. I'd appreciate it.
1: Thank you so much for letting me share my story with you.
0: Thank you so much for listening to today's episode. Head over to sweetestandtoughestjob.com. You'll find additional episodes there, as well as information from today's episode, resources, and links. We'd love to connect with you on social media at Sweetest and Toughest Job on either Instagram or Facebook. And a special thank you to Makai Pace for all the original music used.